Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the third Sunday in Easter. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. May your people exalt forever, O God, in renewed youthfulness of spirit, so that rejoicing now in the restored glory of our adoption, we may look forward in confident hope to the rejoicing of the day of resurrection. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles The high priest demanded an explanation of the apostles. We gave you a formal warning, he said, not to preach in this name, and what have you done? You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and seemed determined to fix the guilt of this man's death on us. In reply, Peter and the apostles said, Obedience to God comes before obedience to men. It was the God of our ancestors who raised up Jesus. But it was you who had him executed by hanging on a tree. By his own right hand, God has now raised him up to be leader and saviour, to give repentance and forgiveness of sins through him to Israel. We are witnesses to all this, we and the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. They warned the apostles not to speak in the name of Jesus and release them. And so they left the presence of the Sanhedrin, glad to have had the honour of suffering humiliation for the sake of the name. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. I will praise you, Lord, you have rescued me and have not let my enemies rejoice over me. O Lord, you have raised my soul from the dead, restored me to life from those who sink into the grave. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. Sing psalms to the Lord, you who love him. Give thanks to his holy name. His anger lasts a moment, his favour all through life. At night there are tears, but joy comes with dawn. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. The Lord listened and had pity. The Lord came to my help. For me, you have changed my mourning into dancing. O Lord, my God, I will thank you forever. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. A reading from the Book of Apocalypse In my vision, I, John, heard the sound of immense number of angels, gathered round the throne, and the animals, and the elders. There were ten thousand times ten thousand of them, and thousands upon thousands, shouting, The Lamb that was sacrificed is worthy to be given power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. Then I heard all the living things in creation, everything that lives in the air, and on the ground, and under the ground, and in the sea, crying. To the one who is sitting on the throne, and to the Lamb, be all praise, honor, glory, and power, forever and ever. And the four animals said, Amen. And the elders prostrated themselves to worship. 
The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Lord Jesus, make your word plain to us. Make our hearts burn with love when you speak. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus showed himself again to the disciples. It was by the Sea of Tiberias, and it happened like this. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two more of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. They replied, We'll come with you. They went out and got into the boat, but caught nothing that night. It was light by now, and there stood Jesus on the shore, though the disciples did not realise that it was Jesus. Jesus called out, Have you caught anything, friends? And when they answered, No, he said, Throw the net out to the starboard and you'll find something. So they dropped the net, and there were so many fish that they could not haul it in. The disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. At these words, it is the Lord, Simon Peter, who had practically nothing on, wrapped his cloak round him and jumped into the water. The other disciples came on in the boat, towing the net and the fish. They were only about a hundred yards from land. As soon as they came ashore, they saw that there was some bread there and a charcoal fire with fish cooking on it. Jesus said, Bring some of the fish you've just caught. Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore full of big fish, 153 of them. And in spite of there being so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples was bold enough to ask, Who are you? They knew quite well it was the Lord. Jesus then stepped forward, took the bread, and gave it to them, and the same with the fish. This was the third time that Jesus showed himself to the disciples after rising from the dead. After the meal, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these others do? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He replied, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, Look after my sheep. Then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was upset that he asked him the third time, Do you love me? and said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. I tell you most solemnly, when you were young, you put on your own belt and walked where you liked. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands, and somebody else will put a belt round you and take you where you would rather not go. In these words, he indicated the kind of death by which Peter would give glory to God. After this, he said, follow me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. 
So two weeks ago, in the very midst of Holy Week, we heard the Passion according to John proclaimed at the Good Friday ceremony. And it's a moving experience having the sufferings of Christ laid before us, there for us to contemplate. And during that moment in the liturgy, we heard this. The maid on duty at the door of the high priest's house said to Peter, Aren't you another of that man's disciples? He answered, I am not. And then a few moments later, we got this. As Simon Peter stood there warming himself, someone said to him, Aren't you another of his disciples? And he denied it, saying, I am not. And then we got this. One of the high priest's servants, a relation of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Didn't I see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it. And at once, a cock crew. It's a very troubling moment in the Passion. And it's one that causes Peter to weep bitterly. And yet, I don't think we as the listeners can really stand in too much judgment of Peter. Most of us have crumbled at far less than that. And here you have it, Peter, the rock on which Christ would build his church, this rock, cracks. It's not exactly a huge force that breaks this Prince of the Apostles, a maid, a servant, someone warming himself by this charcoal fire. The towering figure of Peter is felled by the small observation that he was a disciple of Jesus. It wasn't the might of the chief priest, or of Pilate, or of King Herod. No, Peter cracked at something far less. A humble servant with a simple observation. And I suppose at this moment we see just how alone Jesus is. The shepherd was struck, and the weak, frightened sheep have scattered. In the wake of this terrible and devastating defeat, we see that Peter and the other apostles return to what they were doing before they met Jesus. They go back to the Sea of Galilee. They return to their day jobs. Or night job, as the case may be here with Peter. We see him at the helm of his fishing boat once again. The very boat he was in when he was first called by Jesus to become a fisher of men. It's a somewhat curious thing that after the death and resurrection of Jesus, the disciples are in this kind of directionless haze. And not knowing what else to do, Peter says to them all, I'm going fishing. Let's just go back to what we used to do before we met Jesus. In the wake of his denials, we see Peter grasping after what he's supposed to do now. Now that he'd disowned Jesus, what was he supposed to do? What would become of the band of apostles and the gospel they'd received? Now what? Peter's great idea is to go back to the boat. I'm going fishing. There's an incredible lesson waiting for Peter here. 
And in it, we can see the beginning of reconciliation, of mercy. He and the other disciples worked all night. Skilled, accomplished fishermen catch nothing. Not one measly little fish. The apostles, and Peter here is highlighted, they can't go back to what they did before they met Christ. It's it's no longer fruitful. And in their futile efforts at fishing, we can almost hear the voice of God echoing, you can't go backwards to what you were before. You can't keep pretending like you don't know Jesus. It's no use for the fisher of men to try and become the fisher of fish again. No, wrong way. Go back. And so there's this wonderful moment when Christ shows them in a very gentle way, just a little bit, who's boss. Throw your nets out to starboard. Now this is very familiar. It's deja vu. This has all happened before. When Jesus first called Peter out of his boat and gave him the mission to be a fisher of men, he said, throw your net out to starboard. But another miraculous catch. Look at what happens when Christ is present. The incredible number of big fish becomes a sign that their fruitfulness comes from being with Christ. We can't go back to what we did before. We need to follow Christ again and be fishers of men. And here's why I love Peter. In an instant, he seems to remember who he is. He isn't a fisherman. His night of fruitless toil is evidence enough of that. No, he's a disciple. He's the fisher of men and he belongs with Jesus. So he jumps out of the boat. The distance that he put between Jesus and himself at the time of the Passion, he now wants to bridge that. He doesn't want to be far away. He wants to be close. He wants to be in communion. He wants to take up his mission. He is the fisher of men. But I can only imagine how awkward that moment must have been for Peter, though. To come face to face with Jesus, the very one you had denied and disowned out of fear, the very one you'd promised to die with, but who you had abandoned out of fear for a servant girl. What could you possibly say? How would you start that conversation? Look, um, about that whole denial thing, uh, about abandoning you when you were suffering and dying for me. Um, Yeah, sorry about that. What I love about Peter is that he seems to disregard the inherent awkwardness of the situation. He dives into the water to return to Christ's side. Peter had indeed learned his lesson and he wasn't going backwards now back to the old way of life, but to forge ahead, to regain what he had with Christ and to take up his mission. So when Peter and Jesus do come to have their awkward conversation, we see how masterfully the Lord draws Peter back into communion. Peter, instead of denying Jesus three times, is now professing his love three times. Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
We see in this threefold declaration of love from Peter, a kind of untwisting of the threefold denial of Christ during his passion. And we can see a restoration of Peter's mission in the church by the miraculous catch. Peter's once again the fisher of men. By this threefold profession of love, he's once again made the supreme shepherd. Feed my lambs, look after my sheep, feed my sheep. When Jesus, the good shepherd, was struck, the sheep indeed were scattered. But now Peter is being strengthened in order to persevere and to feed the sheep, to keep them together in one flock, and to be the instrument of unity that would keep the sheep gathered together. The gospel today is so incredibly rich in symbolism. But I think one thing we can discern from the way in which Christ deals with a fallen Peter is to see that he constantly calls us forward. Our encounter with Christ has left us forever changed, and our infidelity and failures don't allow us simply to go back to the way we were before. No, the Lord remains there. He beckons us. He asks us to love him. And in his love, to be restored to dignity and to mission. To follow him and to be sent. So, we may, from time to time, find ourselves seeking comfort in our old ways. And embarrassed by our unfaithfulness, we can prefer to shrink away from Christ and pretend like, you know, we'd never really met. But we soon discover the futility of returning to our old ways. Because our nets come back empty. It's in those moments that we know that Christ is on the shore, ready to restore our communion with him, to untwist what we have warped by our unfaithfulness and to restore us to our true dignity. Not to be bobbing aimlessly and fruitlessly in the sea, drawing up empty nets, but to be the ones who have heard the invitation, follow me, and to be fishers of men. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.